0: We're looking at John 13, 31 through chapter 14, 3. And because of what we've already covered in previous weeks, we're going to be mainly focusing on 14, 1 through 3. But let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, when he, and that's Judas, by the way, Judas Iscariot. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this... All people will will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me. But the Word of God stands forever. Let's pray before we consider it further tonight. Heavenly Father, you, you say that the grass withers and the flowers fade away, and that we are, mankind is like the grass and the flowers that fade away, but your Word stands forever. So Father, we need you to be here with us by your Holy Spirit to teach these words to us, to illuminate these words. So God, we pray that you would open our hearts so that we might believe, open our eyes that we might see and our ears that we might hear. And we ask this humbly and yet expectantly because of your promises in Jesus. And we, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so a good friend of mine was telling me uh, not all that long ago, about his daughter, who is about, this is his first born daughter, she's about five years old, and she worries about everything. She's just a big time worrier. Doesn't matter what it is, we're actually going to bring her back up in a, in a few weeks later in the semester. Uh, doesn't matter what it is, she's going to worry about it. Uh, when she grasped the concept of cars need gas to run every time they get in the car, do we have enough gas? Are we going to be okay? Do we have enough gas? Do you need to stop and get gas, Mom, Dad? She worries about everything. And so you can imagine that when she sat down for the first time to watch The Wizard of Oz, uh, when she begins to realize that the tension in the story is that this little girl gets separated from her home, her parents. She's in this strange world, and it doesn't look like she's going to be able to get back. That she is just about to come unglued. She's bugging her parents, she's so nervous, she can't handle it. So you, you can imagine that to give her a little peace of mind so that she can enjoy it, and probably so that, that he can have a little you know peace of mind and quiet, him skipping to the end fast forward I guess you don't even really fast forward anymore, but skipping to the end, and showing her and saying, "Look, she ends up back home, OK? I know you're worried about it, but in the end. It's all going to be okay. She ends up back home, right? So now you can, she can just, that helped ease her worry. She's still nervous about it, but it helps ease the worry enough that she can just at least relax a little bit and enjoy how the story plays out. And so this semester, uh, you might know that we're studying through what uh, some folks call the farewell discourse which is essentially, in John, it's Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. In some sense, it's his last words to them. They're about to face life living as followers of Jesus, and yet, for the first time, without him there physically with them. And as we've said most every week, that's what you and I call, if you're a believer, everyday life. And so we're looking at the farewell discourse this semester basically through the lens of seeing that in some sense it's jesuss it's what Jesus wants us to hear, what we need to hear from him to make it through everyday life. The mundane, day in, day out, natural grind of things. And what I think we see in this passage, again towards the end of it in 14, is exactly what my friend was doing for his daughter, right? Uh, Jesus has told his disciples some really troubling things. Earlier in the passage and in, in this passage that we read, he's told these people that have followed him for you know three years or so that he's going to leave them, that he's going to be killed, that one of them is going to sell him out. And he's just told Peter, who said that he would lay down his life for him, Actually, you're going to deny me three times. So you can imagine now that these disciples are... There's a swirl of emotions. They're confused. Maybe they're angry, frustrated. They don't know what's going on. And if they're feeling that way now, it's certainly about to ramp up. And what Jesus shows them, what uh, what Jesus tells them in this passage that I want to focus on tonight... Jesus essentially looks at him and says, listen, it's going to be rough. And I know you're confused and, and all sorts of things, but you're going to end up at home. It may not look like it now, but this is going to end well. It's going to end up with you at home with me. So don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So he gives him the picture of being at home, how things are going to end. That's what I want to look at tonight quickly in really three ways. Uh, three things essentially ask three questions about this home that Jesus has for us. First, uh, we're going to look at uh, basically, where is it not? And that'll make sense in just a second. Secondly, we'll look at where it is, where is this home that Jesus has for us and promises us. And then thirdly, and finally, who will be there? So first, where, where, where it is not? So Jesus again, he tells his disciples not to worry and to trust him because everything is going to end well. It's all going to be okay in the end. And he does that through this through the concept of home. He says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. The word is literally a, a dwelling place. You see what he's saying? He's calling on that sense of being at home, right? And now, no matter who you are, I'm going to guess that the imagery and the concept of feeling at home somewhere resonates with you. You know, maybe some of you, hopefully, know that concept because you grew up in a in a good atmosphere. You had parents that loved you. They created a a, a safe and and yeah loving home and so your concept your fundamental concept of being at home is very literally where you're from being at home with your parents with your family and what is it it's a place it's a place where you're cared for it's a place where you're provided for that's safe you can be yourself you don't have to you don't have to put on Right. Hopefully, at at home, wherever you feel at home is the place where you can, you can let your guard down. Uh, everything, everything about it's comfortable. You know, you have your chair that you like to sit in. You have your bed. It smells like your family. You know how you know when you go in other people's houses, it just it, a lot of, it just smells, It doesn't smell like your family, right? But you feel at home. And unfortunately, some of you may not have had that experience. You certainly recognize that, and I'm sorry about that. But maybe you grew up in an atmosphere that was very much not what we just described. And I think, though, that the concept of being at home still has to resonate with you. Unfortunately, only because of what, what you missed or what was not provided for you. But certainly, you still get it right that it's a place it's a place where you just fit being at home but whether you grew up in a regardless of how you grew up no doubt you know the experience of not being of feeling not at home maybe of being homesick of being in a place where you don't fit and you know the pain that that can bring you know that it creates this desire to be, to be at home is it, it, hard to satisfy. You know what that feels like, too. For me, I can remember a couple of times that have been most vivid in my life where I felt, where I very much felt not at home. And I longed, I, I just wanted to be back there. And I'll just give you one uh, for your sakes. When I was going into sixth grade, sixth grade at my school meant you switched campuses. So it was a different location and it was the first time that you changed classes during the day. It was the first time that you had a locker. So really everything about it was new. And for whatever reason, I was sick the first two or three days of sixth grade. So I stayed home. So all my friends, you know, it's not, it's not a huge difference, but it's kind of a big deal. So they had a couple of days when it was all new to them and they figured it out together. And then I showed up the third or fourth day. And they were basically all good to go. And I didn't know anything about anything. And I felt very much alone. And all I wanted to do, I can still remember, it sort of gives me the chills right now, this is a long time ago, I can still remember being in the bathroom in, in my school and just crying and just thinking over and over, I just want to go home, I just want to go home. And I'm, an, I'm going to bet that you've had some experience like that. And what I want you to see first off from this passage, and in some ways it's implicit here, but that Jesus is helping his people, he's helping his disciples and us to see that, that you and I are not at home here in this world. In other words, that the ultimate home that you and I long for is not here. It's not here. Jesus has a home for us, but this is not it. So what does that mean for us? How do we apply that? Why does it matter? Well, the first thing I want to say, I want you to know that you're not crazy. And I think that's important to hear. That when you feel like that, when you feel like these disciples, like the world is sort of beginning to spin out of control, and that you're, you're feeling in some way not at home, right? You don't fit in. Maybe literally it's your freshman year, and you're just quite literally feeling homesick. This is all a whole new world to you, and it's unsettling. You're not crazy. Or maybe it's because... Maybe it's because you feel insecure about yourself in some way. And so you always feel... You're always sort of at the, at the, uh, at the mercy of other people's opinions. And you, you just never feel like you fit in. You're not crazy. Maybe you're worried that people won't like you. Maybe you're not... Maybe you don't even feel comfortable in your own skin. Maybe you look at your body... And you don't even feel at home there. Maybe because of the way you perceive that it looks to yourself or to other people. Maybe because of the physical pain that your body experiences. And you just don't feel comfortable. Maybe you feel like nobody understands you. Maybe you're just looking around at everybody else who seems to be hitting on all cylinders. You're at Baylor. There's a lot to do. It's academically rigorous. And everybody else seems to be at least keeping their head above water. And you're not. You're not living up to your potential. And you think, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm crazy. And I want you to see that this is not our home. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says this. The Christian says, quote, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And the second application that I want to make, and in some ways it's it's the same thing, but it's this. I think to take a minute and recognize that we are not going to find, you are not going to find your ultimate sense of home here has to be helpful to us to recognize the ways in which we try to do that, right? So in other words, what it means... Is that the things that we look to to try to make ourselves feel at home and fit in and feel that sense of, of belonging to ultimately satisfy us and satisfy our souls are just not going to do it? They're good things. but So, what do I mean? Things like your boyfriend or girlfriend, or the, or the potential of having a boyfriend or girlfriend, or your job, or your schoolwork, or sex or the money that you hope to make one day, or athletics, or your sense of humor, or whatever it is, that those things are necessarily going to come up short. They're not going to completely satisfy us. They're not going to give us... We're not going to ever feel fully at home because of those things, although those things are good. And ironically... The more that we try to take those things and make them do that for us, they actually only lead us further away from home. Okay, so we've seen where it's not. The home that Jesus has for us is not here, so where, where is it? Where is it? Because we do have a true home, and that's the, that's the highlight of this passage, and that's the good news for us. You know, what it, it's an amazing thought. You hear what Jesus is saying that he's telling these people that, and telling us, that our longing for home one day is going to be satisfied. That it really is going to happen. It'll be a reality. He says that he's going to come and he's going to prepare it, prepare this place for us himself, and in the end, if you follow Jesus, you, you'll finally be at home you'll finally get what we're looking for in that sense ultimately. all right, so I came across a, uh, a blog as I was working on this, a blog that was on the children's organ Transplant association's website. okay so if you're paying attention, you already know that this is probably going to be fairly an emotional illustration, right the children's Organ Transplant Association's website, right? I will cry through this. It'll be all right. We'll get through it. All right, so this is a blog uh, entry that was written about a uh, a two-year-old boy. His name is Shambok Quitombo. And he spent eight months in the hospital. Uh, It was from when he was six months old. Yeah, he, start, he, got, he went in the hospital when he was six months old because he needed a new heart. He was there for eight months. And so this what I'm about to read you a couple of uh, excerpts from is it's written by his mother as if he were writing it. Does that make sense? Okay, he's two. He can't write this. You get that. So this is written by his mother as if it were him. All right. The title is, I am finally going home. After a long journey of struggles, sufferings, endurances, and unpromising outcomes, a long journey of eight months of being sick, where all the possibilities of me coming out of the hospital alive were exhausted, the dawn has finally come. I am finally going home. He says that he came 136 miles away. He mentions everybody that, uh, that helped him. He talks about, I am finally going home to my beloved family, my dad, my mom, my sisters, who got the stubborn hope, hoping in the dark, days and nights, fought the hardest battle, which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. I am finally going home. I am finally going home with my soul and my heart and my new heart inside my body. I'm finally going home, not, not because I want to, but because I have to. I was meant to live and go home because somebody who loves me the most decided that I should go home and that someone is the one who created me and saved me. My Lord said, I am finally going home. And then he, he that refrain goes all throughout and then he ends it with Schombach is leaving, Schombach is going home, Schombach is finally going home. Okay. Wow. So maybe, quite possibly, some of you can relate to an experience like that. Maybe you have spent an extended uh, time in the hospital. But if you haven't, can you imagine? Can you imagine going in the hospital with your six month? None of y'all have six month old. None of y'all, I don't think, have kids. And this, so, yeah. Can't imagine going to the hospital with your little baby and there's virtually no hope because they need a new heart he apparently survived on an artificial heart for four months and then got his new heart but can you imagine being in there day after day after day doctor after doctor after doctor wondering hoping against hope that just maybe you'll get out of there but probably pretty sure you're not and then one day it happens the doctor comes in and he says you're going home and you get to go from the hospital you know that smells like a hospital for eight months and you get to go home to your house that smells like you do and and. You, you smell your mom's cooking. You get, you get to eat your food and not the hospital food. You get to watch a TV that's not mounted on the wall. <laughs> you get to hear the beeps of your video game and not the beeps of your heart monitor. Finally, right? And that's what Jesus is telling us in this passage. That one day, he's telling us on the front end that if you follow him one day, that day will come. That day will come where everything will be made right. Because Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take you there. So what does it mean for us? Well, first it means that if you are a believer, if you trust in Christ, that there is coming a day and that day will last forever. Whatever that means. However, you can wrap your mind around that that it will never end. There's coming a day when you will no longer ever feel uncomfortable again about anything. You'll never feel awkward again. You'll never be embarrassed again. You'll never be afraid of anything again. There's coming a day when you will no longer fear what other people think about you. There's coming a day where you won't worry throughout your whole day. There's coming a day where you won't have to work hard to fit in. And not only will you not have to work hard to fit in, but you will know what it feels like to be perfectly loved and accepted. Uh, in in such a way that the, the best home experience on this earth can't even can't even touch it. There's a day coming that will last forever when you will look at yourself and you will not be disgusted with what you see. There's coming a day when you will no longer be ashamed for the things that you've done. Think about that. There's coming a day where where that thing won't pop into your mind and say, you know you shouldn't be here. You know what you do. You know who you are. You know, you know how fake you are. There's coming a day where that will be gone, where you will never feel pain again, where, you're never, where you will never feel unsafe, where you'll never experience the pain of a breakup, where you will never again feel the pain of how you were abused or taken advantage of or sinned against. It'll be gone. You'll be at home in every way. And so what does that mean for us? It's certainly, it means, have, it means that we have the benefit of having that perspective. Right? We talked about that last week when we, uh, about God being sovereign over everything. Does it make the difficulties that we go through easy all of a sudden? Oh, I didn't know God was in charge of everything. Well, now it's not hard. No, of course not. Uh, Does it make, does knowing that one day it's all going to be made right and that you're going to be at home ultimately and finally, does that make everything just easy all of a sudden? Of course not. But certainly it helps give us some perspective that helps us persevere, doesn't it? That it's not going to go on forever because it feels like it's going to go on forever. So certainly that gives... you know, Imagine if you could talk to Schombach's mother on that first day as she goes into the hospital. Scared to death. And I don't know how you could do this, but if somehow you could actually convince her, prove to her that she will leave with her son. Would that make the eight months... A breeze I snapped again, I'm sorry. Amy fussed at me for snapping last week. Not fussed at me. Would that make the eight months in the hospital just a fun time? Of course not. But wouldn't it help a lot to have that perspective that it's hard now, but there is coming a day when it's going to go away? Of course it would. So thirdly and finally, who's going to be there? Jesus tells us, Who's going to be there in this home with us? And it's actually twofold. So first, uh, first we see that there are going to be other people there. There are going to be others there. You see in verse 2, uh, in his father's house there are many rooms. Also throughout the verse, uh, verses, uh, you is actually plural. It doesn't reflect in the English translation, but I went to seminary and I know these things. So the you is Plural. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, plural, and we're going to see, you know, as we talked about every week by extension, all of his disciples across time. There's going to be a multitude which no man can number. There are going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of people there. A lot of other people. And we can make a lot of applications, but just, just a couple real quick. First thing I want you to think about is that that means that for believers, there's no such thing as Goodbye. that's a great thing some of you have no doubt lost people that you you care about and if you haven't yet you will and for believers there is no such thing as goodbye forever because you will see each other again and you'll spend eternity together secondly just a quick thought It means that you and I will ultimately be at home in our relationships with one another. We've kind of hit on that. But because you might very well you might very well think like, oh, that'll be awesome, I guess. Like a lot of people there are a few people I'd like there, but maybe not a lot. But even our relationships are going to be perfected. And we'll be at home in a sense with everybody. right, so there are going to be other people there. So who else is going to be there? Well, the passage makes it very clear that Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. And this is the highlight of the whole thing. The fact that Jesus is going to be there is the highlight of heaven. It's the beauty of heaven. In fact, it's really the, the reason which all these other wonderful things that we've talked about are true. That there will be no more pain and suffering and those sorts of things are true because Jesus is there and because of what he's done. You see in the passage, verse 3, Jesus is going to go, and Jesus is going to prepare a place for us, and Jesus is going to come back, and Jesus is going to take us to himself so that we can be with Jesus, right? It seems like it's trying to make a point. Heaven is heaven because of Jesus, because he's there. Uh, 11,004 Trailwood Drive, probably doesn't mean much to you. Uh, it means a lot to me. That's my address. And that's, so that's my home. And I, we have only been there, what, a couple of months or so. And we actually, I, I really love our house. I love our home. I like a lot about it. You know, we've got, we've got more space than we've had before, so our kids can run around. We've got a good backyard. Uh, it's comfortable for us. You know, it stays the appropriate temperatures that I like, those sorts of things. But imagine with me you're probably thinking about your home. Imagine if if for some reason Amy, my wife, and my three kids could not live there any longer, for whatever reason. They 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 were forced to leave and I was forced to stay. How would I feel about eleven thousand and four Trailwood Drive? It's all right. Right, but it goes it, it all of a sudden becomes a place that it's a place that I, you know, get to get in out of the elements and I get to keep a few things and that it's it's good for that. But it's not my home anymore. And why not? Obviously, because the loves of my life are not there. They're somewhere else. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. So, what does that mean for us? Well, what it means is that you and I will get to spend eternity, forever, in perfect fellowship with Jesus. So, that means that you and I, if you're a believer, you will no longer live by faith, you will live by sight. It means that you will no longer have to struggle with your own hard heart. It means that you won't have to, it means that when you go, when you worship, worship is something that will come naturally to you and you won't have to feel guilty about having to sort of drudge up feelings and positive feelings about Jesus. It will be with Jesus and it will be perfect. It will be able to see him as he really is. And so let me end with this thought. If you're you're like me, if you hear that, I think, yeah, if you're like me, you might tend to think, that's great. And I'm excited about that, I think. And that'll be great. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And I know that I should love that more than the fact that there won't be pain and suffering. And... You almost think to yourself, like, note to self, start getting excited about that more, love Jesus more, starting now. Because there's a part of me that thinks, like, uh, I think I like that, but I don't know. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 13, 12. God, through Paul, says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known. See what Paul's saying. That, in a sense, what, what he seems to be getting at is that part of what's going to propel my worship and love of Jesus for eternity is that I'm going to finally get a glimpse of Him, finally get the full picture of Him, and I'm going to know Him and see how much He loved me. I'm going to see how, how much of a sinner I was in its fullness. And then I'm going to have the fullest understanding of how much Jesus really does love me by grace. And the good news that I want you to hear every week at RUF is that that when you have that thought, the good news is that you get to repent of that too. When you think, I love Jesus, I wish I loved him more. The good news is that it's not about necessarily how much you love Jesus, but that he loves you. It's not how tightly you hang on to Jesus in faith, but that He hangs on to you perfectly. And that one day He will bring you to Himself and He will perfect it. He will do it. That's what we call, that's what the Bible calls grace. And that's what's offered to you tonight, offered to you all the time here at RUF, and I hope that you take it. Won't you? You're invited. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, that that is true, we give you praise. We thank you and we praise you that you would love us in such a way that you would love us in spite of ourselves. Jesus, we pray that you would take these words and change us. That we would long for our home because you're there. And even in the ways in which we don't, you forgive that too. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.